podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sponsored by 1010 Podcasts. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. Welcome to episode 26 of the Celtic Exchange. This is Tino and today I'm joined by Miff and James. So they say the best things in life are worth waiting for and if that's really the case then Ange Postecoglou may go on to be the best manager in Celtic's long and illustrious history. After an incredible 106 days without a permanent manager we finally received official confirmation of his appointment on Thursday and can now look forward with some clarity on the season ahead. We may not have all the answers we're seeking for at this time but it's a step in the right direction and it's set to be a frantic few weeks ahead for the club. Miff, after all the dark months of last season, the sun's shining, we've got a new manager, how are you feeling? Hi Tino, hi James, hello listeners. Um, I feel a lot better than I did. I'm just glad that it's done, glad that we have somebody in place, although it still feels a bit weird because we don't know when he's going to actually be here physically in the building. So I think until that happens, I probably won't feel as optimistic because then you'll know he's properly at work. We can only assume he is at the minute, but at least we know who the man is. In terms of, and I dare say we'll go into this in a bit more depth, Whilst he is not a recognised and, and well-known name, that's only because he hasn't managed in Europe previously. When you actually look at his record, seems to be quite fond of a rebuild. And also the job that he's done with Australia, I think, makes him a genuinely viable, or made him a genuinely viable candidate for the job. Because clearly he's went in there and made a squad of players punch above their weight against better opposition over a prolonged period of time. So, similar theme you would imagine in terms of European progression for Celtic if you get a good team on the part to do that domestic progress should take care of itself so I would go as far to say an exciting appointment yeah I'll take that James what about yourself I know you had concerns at the time that it was taken for Eddie Howe now that Andrew's been confirmed you going all in genuinely excited I think it is an exciting appointment given his background his turnaround experience the football philosophy he's got and also the people whose careers he's touched what they say about him after the fact you know they all speak very highly of him as as the way you hear kind of guys speaking about Brendan Rodgers so I think there is the unknown I think a lot of the, the kind of pushback if there's been any from Celtic fans is a bit of the the Eddie Howe fallout because it was so badly handled so badly communicated and there's been no time to build any real momentum for for this candidate but yeah I think he's a real prospect for Celtic he's got the football philosophy we all want to see and I'm really excited about it yeah, as am I. Now, before we get fully started on things today, I'd just like to take a minute to touch on things with Christian Eriksen. I'm sure most people have seen a collapse during Denmark's game with Finland on Saturday, and for anyone watching, it really was quite a horrendous moment. Thankfully, uh, Medics and his teammates acted quickly, which probably saved his life, and latest reports are that he's now conscious and stable, which is, of course, great news. Um, as a 29-year-old elite athlete, he's likely in the shape of his life, however, and it just shows you that you never really know the moment. In terms of what we do in the podcast here, we're obviously hugely passionate about Celtic and like lots of others can get caught up in things at the best of times. Celtic are really important to us as they are to thousands of other people but moments like this also remind us that nothing in life is more important than your health and it really does bring everything into perspective. So our thoughts go to Christian Eriksen and his family at this time and we'd just like to express our best wishes for his safe and speedy recovery. So now moving on, um, as I say we obviously kind of, I think as a group here we're very excited about Ange Postecoglou. James I believe you've been kind of looking into various things and now that the the shackles are off and you can allow yourself to fully immerse yourself in the various pieces of media that are around there. 
you picked up anything interesting in the last couple of days? Yeah, so I, I kept my embargo on any rumoured Celtic managers because of Celtic's uh, expertise in negotiating management contracts and players' contracts. So all the stuff that was going on about how and the exciting football style and training didn't touch it. Same with Postacoglu, there, there was less time to do so, I suppose. But yeah, uh, The Age of Ange is a documentary worth catching for, for anyone. That shows you a lot of insight into his mindset, his background. Uh, it's not varnished or overly varnished. It shows his adversity, where he wasn't doing well, how he came back from that. I think he's, he's quite a, he's a very passionate guy, possibly quite an emotional guy. You know, he, he lives on his uh, on his feelings. So that that's one to watch for coming into the the hotbed of Scottish football, especially when you're working under the Celtic board. So there's there's things to watch for there. But yeah, his his football belief, his philosophies, they all, they all come through really strongly in that documentary, and a few other bits and pieces I've, I've picked up on him. So yeah, I, I, I like what I, I hear and I see about him. Good. Um, if you were saying, obviously. His CV does stack up pretty favourably, so I was even, you know, comparing him to various guys, of course, but even our own Ronnie Dyla. So Ronnie Dyla came to Celtic after winning one title in Norway. Uh, Postecoglou has managed his country at World Cup. He's won an Asian Cup. He's won five titles across two countries. So he's won four titles in Australia. It's often reported as two, but it was actually two before it was the, the A-League as well. So five titles across two different countries. He's been a coach for 25 years. It's not even a comparison, actually, when it comes to him and Ronnie Dyla, but... Where does he stack up for you now uh, in comparison to the various other names that were touted? So, you know, the madness that might have been Roy Keane, the untested Enzo Maresca, Chris Wilder, who succeeded, then failed at Sheffield United. How do you feel now, you know, with, with the information that's come to light in the last few days? The one thing that always stood out to me regarding the whole pursuit of Eddie Howe, and I, and I did reference this in a, in a couple of podcasts, was his apparent lack of personality. He'd definitely be a guy that, when it went on a lads night out, didn't join in the round, he'd just go, go himself, buy his drinks himself. No doubt, man. No doubt. Whereas Big Ange looks like he's getting the shots in. You know what <laughs> I mean? He's Big Ange, is like, right, right, lads, let's do it. So I think, all joking aside, you know, Eddie Howe looks so studious and quite withdrawn. He seems a bit introverted. That's fine. You know, intense, all those things are, are great traits. But I think a job like Celtic, there's so many different facets to it. It's, it is a global brand. I hate that terminology but it's true you'll have lots of different elements to the job rather than just purely being a coach and dealing with the media the one thing I'm wary of is how abrasive Postacoglu seems to be and how that may affect his relationship with the with the board I can only assume he's already stated what he wants and needs and he's going to be given that otherwise why would he leave the job that he's coming to here I, I hope he hasn't taken this job on a whim be, just because it's Celtic without any groundwork being done. I also think the timing of the whole letting us know about the Howe rejection, the season tickets and post the becoming common knowledge absolutely stinks. So they've obviously been sitting on the Howe rejection for a while, which I don't think is on. We all should have known that quicker to let us all kind of move on quicker. So whilst having a plan B is, is great, you know, I'm, I'm happy that we had that sorted so quickly. There's something about the whole how rejection that just doesn't add up to me. And I think I think we, we deserve to know exactly what's went on there because the stories that have come out about he just decided on that particular day that somebody for Bournemouth didn't want to move or something like that, I'm not having that at all. Yeah, I think so too. I think in terms of what we've been told officially, you're right, Miff, it absolutely doesn't stack up for me. And, and again, it's one of these things we've, we've talked a lot about the, the last six to 12 months and some of the things that have been going on and maybe at some point in the future we'll find out. But yeah, at this moment in time it doesn't stack up. So, But again, to move on, you know, to look forward in terms of, of what Ange will bring. I think you're right, Miff, you know, it would obviously be very hard for a coach like him who's obviously ambitious and successful. 
it'd have been very hard for him to turn down a club like Celtic regardless of the terms and that's what slightly concerns me I wonder if he's conceding on a few points you know if they've said your budget might not be what you'd hoped and different things but the other side is he seems a strong and principled guy as well so you know there's some lazy assumptions that oh, he's just a yes man from people who didn't know who he was about a week and a half ago so to now have that judgement is impressive uh, you know at best I think he has a strong character he certainly looks like that and as you say Matthew, he's definitely got something about him and that's what kind of gives me confidence that actually he might have said great this is a seriously exciting proposition for me but I want this and I need that and as you say Matthew, he's been involved in, in rebuilds before and I wonder if you know that all ties in and again like anyone he doesn't want to come here and have a failure on his CV so it's promising that you know he'll come in uh, and bring some exciting times but with certain demands just on that point as well, this could turn out to be quite a shrewd move by the board in terms of any noise coming out from Australia. It seems to be that it's bought a lot of goodwill mm. in, in Australia. It seems like the whole, almost like the whole nation's kind of supporting because of the job they've done with the Australian national team and now that willingness for them to do well. The fact that we've tried something completely different, even people that were you know really annoyed with the, the way that the season had panned out, the house situation had panned out, the season ticket kind of renewal process was, was rolled out the freshness of the, the name and the link because any anyone else would have probably been a really divisive appointment for who was available whether it be Mark Hughes whether it be Roy Keane you know any, any of those names it felt a bit like the same old mm -hmm. what the board have done is they've pulled their rabbit out of the hat but with the links to the, the City group and that as well you're, you're a, I, I, that, there's enough to concern me but not so much that I'm, I'm more excited than concerned because I think if you bring this guy in back him he's got a track record that shows he'll produce the goods Yeah, if they, if they sign players and he gets early results all of this noise goes away and it's a genuinely the kind of decision that brings everyone together I can understand people's reticence at the moment because there's a lot of you know, information not there. Once that starts to fill in with players and results, that, that'll, that'll drift away. Yeah, I think any managerial appointment comes with risks. They all do. You know, yep. even the best in the business come with risks and, you know, there's no guarantee of any success. But I would say, as left field, my fit is something different, but it's also a calculated risk. He's not coming here after 25 years hanging about Australia, not really doing much. The, the guy's got a serious CV. So I think, as you say, James, the, the proof will be in the pudding. You know, once he starts to get on the training park and, you know, we start to see what the first few friendlies look like and ultimately when he starts to get his first couple of results at that point we start to get a, a real feel for who he is and how he operates and how the players have responded so uh, that'll really be where we, we find out how good or not he may be um, what about his first interview so that was really the first we'd seen in an official capacity when Celtic released that kind of dual interview with him first and then Don McKay what was your initial thoughts uh, when you heard well first of all uh, for Ange when you heard him speaking a lot of things you could tell he was excited not in an overawed sense but he was excited by the opportunity and, and the challenge ahead but you could see a focus he was calm you know he, he had a plan he was quite structured in terms of you know how he was going to go about things what he'd uh, done so far in terms of engaging with Don Mackay so and I think he just put down you know the way he likes to go about his business and the way he likes his teams to be run you know this guy was a captain when he was 21 so he's, he is a leader and that's the kind of thing you're going to see from him so yeah, impress as much as these things are fairly PR driven. Um, so I would read an awful lot into it, but liked what I saw. Not not you know knocking it for the, the, the rafters kind of thing, but it was just yeah, calm and focused. Yeah, and I think he seemed quite sincere. He was excited, you know, used that term, and I think you could see that, and it seemed quite genuine as well. <laughs> He's got that kind of interesting Australian style as well, referring to I think Jeremy McCulloch his mate and all this kind of stuff, and it was quite uh, quite funny watch. As you say, Miff, he's definitely got a bit of character about him, and I think. 
success is one thing, but it's going to be a roller coaster along the way, isn't it? Well, I don't, I don't think he's got to hold back. Um, but I, I thought he spoke well. You know, like a guy with his experience probably should, if I'm, if I'm mm-hmm. being honest. You know, he, he confident. He seems to know exactly what he's getting into. And was quite happy to talk about how he wants his teams to play. Where Dyla sort of suffered when, when he came in was that he was completely unknown and wasn't really backed to any particular length by the, the board. He just felt he was sold short at almost every turn and that there was a core of players working against him as well. That, mm-hmm. that became apparent after, after a period of time. I, I don't think we have a situation where that will be allowed to happen again on the basis of the strength of the character that we've brought in. Yeah, a core group of players going against Ange would all be transfer listed in short order. I think he'd just leather them. Is the <laughs> bottom line. So yeah. Ronnie Dyla, a nice guy, but Put I think him. Ange would just have guys by the, the scruff of the neck. The interesting thing is, we, we touched on it last week, but one of the first things he'd done when he came into one of his clubs in Australia, I need to check which one, he was he binned various high-profile characters, including the likes of you know, Bob Malcolm and Craig Moore and, and various guys that we know of in this part of the world. He also patched Harry Kuehl from one of his clubs. So these guys are big names and he's not afraid to go in there and stamp his authority. And I think the basic message is, if you're not on board with what we're doing, that's fine, but go and find another club. And actually that's what, what Celtic need at the best of teams because we've seen from some of the performances last last season that that would do yeah. them the world of good. Yeah. That, 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 is, that is one of the main factors in, in our demise. There was no cohesion amongst the players in no. terms of a, a driven goal and it was quite easy to get the 10 and they just didn't seem to have that focus. They all went to different things. So I think he's he has got that um, character to, to bin the big names. He will not be phased. He, he's been at World Cups. He's been in big dressing rooms. So whether you were the star man or a run-of-the-mouth squad player, if you're not getting on board with the message, I think you're out, which is great to see. Mm-hmm. Even even for small things, right? How amazing would it be to have Pete Rogic back? How, uh, how amazing would that be? Yeah. It, it would, do you know what I mean? If you get him back playing... Oh man! Mm-hmm. What I thought Bring was interesting. So Celtic have obviously rolled out the PR offensive as you'd expect in the last few days, and there's been various new news stories coming out. So I think James Forrest, Stephen Welsh, David Turnbull, Callum McGregor have all you know been leaning up to to share their excitement at the new appointment, and we're looking forward to getting started. And all, all the you could write them yourself, right? All the kind of cliched quotes. Interesting that Tom Rogic hasn't been rolled out. How hard is it to pick up the phone to an Australian player in your squad and say, "What do you think of this guy?" Or a Greek player. <laughs> your goalie, yeah. I think he, he did reference Rogic in, in his interview. Tommy. Did. Tommy. And Big Dukes. Oh, Big Dukes, Duke. man, that's that's the winner. That is the winner. <laughs> See, as soon as he mentioned that, I was like, ah, sign me up. Yeah. That was that was when I definitely bought my ticket for the entertainment. <laughs> so yeah, so obviously the you know the players, as you would expect, are, are lining up to, to sing their praises. And listen, they should be excited. They they should be excited at something fresh and something which is completely different from the Neil Lennon approach. So, you know, there's no doubt there will be players buzzing to get back. And obviously some of the players are back. The, non, the non-international players are back this Thursday for their pre-season training. So I'm sure they're looking forward to getting started, albeit Ange won't be there. So I don't know if he's coming in from video call to take that session. In terms of the, the PR message, the, the club struck a masterclass by rolling out the maestro. You can't go wrong there, can no, you? No, no, Un- no. Unifying. I think he could have told me Bio was a player and I'd believe him. It's just, it's just an, an easy... PR one, isn't it? And obviously, you know, Paul McStay has spent a lot of time out in that part of the world and his opinion does uh, carry weight, doesn't it? Oh, it does. You know, I mean, like you say, Paul McStay could say anything about Celtic and would, would listen at the very least. But the fact that he's got experience of being out there and I'm sure he'll have kept an eye on what's going on in football in Australia since he's been there in, what, 2010 or something. So that's a lot of uh, Ange's progress and uh, success. So, yeah, but you know, Celtic get a lot of credit, uh, marks down for their PR. That was one of their better ones. I think um, Paul McStay know behind them um, kind of player software for monitoring 
something he used to run a company called Midgibite Creations if I remember I don't know if I'm allowed to say it on the podcast but I have we can delete that if need be <laughs> um, and yeah he moved out that part of the world I think 11 years ago um, just according to something I was reading so yeah I think he was involved somewhere in that world but there's no doubt you know, he lived his finger on the pulse generally his son's a player isn't he his son came back and played with Clyde and a couple of other clubs here and stuff like that and the bottom line is Whatever the maestro says goes, and that's it. So, mm-hmm. so that's, that's how we're going to take that. Um, as I'd mentioned within that interview on Thursday morning, we also heard for the first time officially from Dominic Mackay. Any first impressions on how that went? No, again, I, I thought he came across reasonably well. One thing I was quite struck by, he's got a very impressive hairline. So that's gone nowhere important anytime part. soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the most important thing from your new CEO, above all else. Well... Um, yeah, I agree though, Miff. I think he, he spoke pretty well and there's been a lot of you know noise about how quiet he's been in the four, five, six weeks he's been in the door, albeit he's been effectively shadowing Peter Lowell, who I believe has now left the building, which will open the door for Dominic Mackay to start his CEO job officially. It's not till 1st of July, but I'm sure he'll be carrying out some of those duties and I think the club would have loved to have rolled him out with Eddie Howe. That was obviously the intention. But now he comes in with Ange and it's so, so important that those two guys now form a proper bond and a proper relationship. They both spoke in similar terms in terms of you know building cultures and you know systems and processes that the players can be comfortable in and the club can start to to grow in all areas, and they do seem to be similar minded. Obviously, Dom's a bit younger; I think he's maybe forty two, whereas Angie's fifty five. But I think that relationship's so important. One relationship which still, or one position, sorry, which still remains unfilled though, is the recruitment. So whether it's a head of recruitment or a director of football, how concerning is that at this moment in time? The way I looked at this, you know, in the spring or even, you know, in the last year was there was three problems as such. The structure and the management, the board and the ownership of the club. So we've solved the manager position in the wrong order maybe. You know, maybe it's structure first, manager second, but the time was the time to just that that was the opportunity to get him in so it's screaming that there's no structure in place here of various positions you know fitness well-being health training recruitment you know the whole director of football suite if we are going down that road tell us and tell us what you're doing about it because the communication is just not there mm-hmm. so uh, rather than telling us about it rather they just, they just did it or started appointing people because that's my real fear is much like the mistakes made by Lennon you just flung Strachan and Kennedy at him and said all the best I mean it's not going to wash you know yeah. if Ange does fail I think it won't be on his own merits it'll be because Celtic haven't done the right things yeah that's the thing Ange Postacoglu can't possibly succeed on his own he can't come here you know tactical genius or not you can't come and do this as a one man band you need to have the support structure in place and that's up to Celtic to support him they've appointed him but they now need to support him in various ways with personnel with finances and with all sorts of other support structures. So, I mean, what do you feel on that, Miff? Do you think it's a it's a concern given, you know, timescales? We're just about mid-June and Ange can't possibly know the, the, the landscape here in terms of who he should be signing. So who's assisting him with that just now? Well, I think the structure of the club, that, that's, that's been an issue for a considerable period of time because even under the last year at Rogers, we knew signings were being made that weren't Rogers. So in, in many ways... The class of Rogers and having his own backroom team and the the football structure, we got away with that because he obviously did get his say on some signings. He did bring some of his own players in, but it was still happening where other players were being brought in that clearly weren't his signings. So there was there has always been a disconnect there, even in in our glory days. There was a disconnect between the board and, and the management. What we do have now is an opportunity, as a a fresh start, and. If somebody like Ange Postacoglu is going to be brought in for a period of time, I know it's a 12-month rolling contract, but that's not un- unusual for, for Celtic to offer those, those terms, then you need to give him a chance to structure that or bring someone in to do that for him so that he can concentrate on 
just coaching the team. The fact that that's not happened, we've appointed him and he's in quarantine, is pretty baffling to me. I can only imagine that, that how rejection and the football department restructure were in some way linked and that we don't have an answer or the piece to that puzzle yeah. um, just yet. That's that's my suspicion. Here's hoping that we're waiting to Ange gets his feet under the table and, and, and helps helps with that process so that it's somebody that he feels that he can mm. work with. You do get the impression they're scrambling about just now to find a director of football or a head of recruitment from the City group or otherwise. You know, they must be rolling out their black book just to see who's available for that just now. And as you say, if it's concerning that they're obviously just the way the world at the moment, there is this uh, quarantine period that Ange has to go through and that's that's fine. There's nothing we can do about that. I suppose, given that he cannot be in the training field at this moment in time and there's, there's no training to be done, at least he can be doing a certain amount of things digitally. You'd like to think there'll be all sorts of video files and recordings across them to say, here's how murder we were last year and take, take, <laughs> take a look at it for your own self. Um, he can check out the personnel and the guys that he thinks he'll be working with as well as I'm sure, you know, there's a scouting department there that will be sending them various possibilities at this moment in time for him to cast his eye over. So there is a lot that he can do remotely but the way of the world and all that stuff but you really, just to give you confidence as much as anything, you'd love to see him just stand, plank him in the Celtic way, get a scarf above his head and know that he's in there working with the people that he's going to be working with. So it is a bit troubling that he's not there just now. Um, the non-international players, as mentioned, they report back for pre-season training on Thursday. Uh, Thursday of this week, that's the 17th. But at this moment in time, it is very unclear whether this training will be taken by Margaret from Accounts or by Johnny Mack and the Faithful. So oh, <laughs> it's a concern. Obviously, the rumours are flying around that John Kennedy very much is remaining part of things. Although I did read a report last night that he's now considering his future, which he should be, I think, for it, his own interesting sake. that that came out. You know, that didn't come out for free. Secret that's, squirrel. That's been, that's been placed, aye. Yeah. yeah. I think for his own sake, John Kennedy will very possibly be seen. right, listen, now is the time for me to step out on, on my own terms and take it forward. Do you think that's the right move, James? For Kennedy? Well, for us. But, uh, sorry, for everyone. And it really is. You know, I, I think Kennedy has got potential uh, in the game. We'll never know if he stays under the, the Celtic cloak. You know, he's got to get out, do his own thing, work his way up the game like all good managers do um, and see where he is in four or five years. You never know. You could see him back at Celtic in some capacity. But... Kennedy and Strachan are stinking the place out as aligned to abject failure last year and they need to be out of the building. Yeah, I think you're very probably right there. Um, in terms of Ange, obviously <laughs> the term that was used last year or, or a couple of years ago now was that Neil Lennon knew the city and how important that was. Uh, Ange does not know the city, although I believe when he's interview he said he'd been to Scotland a couple of times. Do you think, Matt, it would be very beneficial for him to have someone of a Celtic mind with him? So Ronnie Dyle obviously got John Collins and, and everything that comes with that. Brendan um, Rodgers get Danny McGrain, sorry. Well, up for debate. So do you think, and again, lazy assumption here by me and others, but Scott McDonald's a name that's obviously been doing the rounds because Australian, played for Celtic, get him in there. Do you think it's important that Ange has somebody like that though? Don't think it has to be somebody Celtic-minded. No? I don't. Someone that knows European football even would be acceptable for me. I'd, I'd, the whole Celtic-minded thing doesn't always necessarily get you anywhere. I mean, with Tony Mowbray and Peter Grant at the helm, albeit that I think they were undermined as well by the by the board at, at that time. So, nah, the, the right people. That's all that matters to me. I, we've been there with the whole Celtic-minded thing, you know, with, with Neil Lennon and John Kennedy involved last season. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, they're, they're two of the most, well, we thought they were two of the most Celtic-minded people you'd get. But um, I think, unfortunately, for, for Neil Lennon, he's, he's sullied that a bit, especially with that interview that he did recently. So, no, I, I think it's just the right people and... 
to contradict myself completely, the one name that had been mentioned that I did like was Sean Maloney. Mm -hmm. uh, anytime I've heard Sean Maloney speak, he comes across as a kind of level-headed, intelligent guy. And, and I think the experience he's had with Belgium would, would stand him in real good steady. He went down and played in England as well. So you, you would assume he'd, he'd pretty good contact. And I, I would also like, if it was possible, I think he, he moved back to take the Ireland job or the Ireland coaching job because he's family, but Damien Duff, mm -hmm. there was a direct correlation between Damien Duff leaving and the, the squad spirit and the attacking flair in the team disappearing. Yeah. The Sean Maloney one is an interesting one and it does keep coming back up. Actually, we had an interview on the radio just last night. Uh, it was on with Tom English on uh, Sports Round or, or Radio Scotland. And it's interesting the timing of that because you don't hear a lot from Sean Maloney and we haven't heard much of him in, in recent years while he's been working with Belgium. But it's interesting that now, you know, is the PR offensive on to, to get him uh, favourably thought of in the eyes of the Celtic fans or the ears of the Celtic fans because he does Maffey speaks loads of sense and it was a very good interview and it's worth checking out you'll get it on some sort of playback I don't think I could bring myself to listen to Tom English yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's, it's good though yeah, it is good so Sean Maloney as I say does speak very well and I just wonder if that's him being primed for post Euros stepping into some sort of role and I would be okay with that and I'd certainly be okay with Damien Duff do you not think that Tom English just sounds Pretty much permanently patronising when he when he's talking. That that's it's his tone that kind of like now. He was constantly searching for wee Snyder's, and where Maloney was almost most impressive in the interviews, just sidestepping it oh, every time. Ah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. No, just I, I think that's just English's emo. Is he just what well, even when he talks, it's he's almost like dismissive in tone about everything. Yeah. I, I don't mean I'm not talking about aye. a Celtic perspective. I just find it baffling. Yeah, as if he's some kind of sage. Aye, yeah. you're like, just if you're asking somebody a question, or you're speaking to, asking for somebody's opinion, at least hear them out. Don't aye, he loads kinda, it. I don't kind of talk it down before they've, they've said it. But anyway, yeah, if you're unsure if that's how Tom English operates, spend five minutes on his Twitter page. Just yeah. very, very patronising and, and a, a questionable style at best. So anyway, enough about him. So yeah, interesting to see um, if Ange is allowed to bring someone in, certainly of his own uh, backroom team and guys he trusts, and if also someone is thrust upon him of a, of a Celtic nature. But you're right, any good coach should be able to go to any part in the world and say, I don't need a guy from Madrid or Paris or wherever I'm going. I've got these three guys that I talent. really trust and that's that's the way it goes. The most important thing is to be a quality operator as opposed to someone who knows the city and who knows Celtic. Um, in terms of the more practical elements, so we know that the team goes in a pre-season training camp to Wales, I think between the 5th and the 14th of July. There's a few fixtures in there. So they play Sheffield Wednesday on the 7th, Charlton, Athle Charlton Athletic on the 10th and Bristol City on the 14th. So that'll be the first chance to get a proper look at how he sets up and, and how the team responds to his initial very, very uh, early stages of his of his Celtic tenure. Are you excited for those games, Miff? I know you've got an affinity with Bristol as a city as well, so maybe you can touch on that, but are you excited for those fixtures? Well, yes, because it's the first glimpse you're going to get of the structure of the team, and even though it won't mean much, and it'll be very, very early days, it'll give you an idea of just formations, even some as basic as that, formations and Players such as, you know, I think off the top of my head, somebody like Mikey Johnson, somebody that stands out to me who's at a, it seems at a bit of a crossroads in his Celtic career. You would think he's going to hit the ground running and impress a new manager. Somebody like Stephen Welsh, who has had a decent season, I, I would say. You know, he's, he's certainly not let himself down, but is he actually going to be good enough to, to be the, the number one or number two centre-half for, for a whole season again? Tom Rogic, who we've already mentioned, I would have liked to have thought in Cham would have been another one back with a point to prove, but he looks like he's gone. On his way out the door, you know, will, will, will the likes of Sweden Bio be there as well? You know, just lo there are just loads of questions around the squad at the minute. So it'll just be interesting to see who's there, who's playing, how they set up, you know, all those types of things. And also here, because invariably it'll happen, you'll get murmurs coming back out, you know, whether that be positive, negative or, or otherwise. So just excited to get to that point. But 
it still feels like that's quite a bit away. And the the lack of movement. We've also got Liam Shorty coming as well. We should mention him as well. Liam, Liam Shorty coming for Sheffield Wednesday. So again, we'll ha- the likes of him, Leah Connor, will they be coming back? Will they be in the first team squad? Will, be, you know, will they be in the development squad? It's just, there's loads of these kind of different questions yeah. uh, kind of floating about. But I just hope it doesn't drift to that point. I just hope there's other things happen in between now and then. Because to. Uh, to me, it just feels like we're, we're just drifting. Yeah, I think I mentioned at the top of the, the introduction there, it's set to be a frantic few weeks, and it should be. There's got to be signings going on. So the transfer window just opened there on Wednesday of last week, the 9th of June, and that's open until the 31st of August. There's got to be serious activity, and pretty soon, and that's on the park and off, as we'd mentioned. There's lots of appointments to be made by Celtic, so you know, watch this space for that. James, this next question I'm going to put to you, because I know you've got fairly strong opinions on it. So question is, <laughs> well, you, you mentioned with loads of various players at Crossroads, and one you didn't even mention, and it's a big one, would it be madness... Out with right out, and you've not heard it yet, but you know what's coming. Would it be madness for Postecoglou not to fully assess Lee Griffiths in person, see where he's at, and then make an informed choice on whether he thinks he can get something from him? Now, Lee Griffiths is in his own charm offensive just now. He's put up the, Sorry, yeah. the post on Instagram at him uh, in the gym. working in the gym with his PT. Now, my sister is working my PT at this moment in time, but I don't expect her to be leading the line for us in any upcoming Champions League <laughs> qualifiers. So I'm not sure how much that says, but. James, over to you. Thoughts on Lee Griffiths? Yeah, and I think you're you're very right that he should go in with an open mind on every single uh, player who's signed to Celtic at the moment. Griffiths included. It'll take him 10 minutes to work out he's not got the, the um, strength of mind to be an Ange player and Barkas will fall into that category as well. So it's not about his ability. We know Griffiths' ability inside out. He's the player that, to coin the phrase, I'm not angry with him, I'm just disappointed with him. He's let us down so many times. He, he's in the gym now giving us this Pish, when, <laughs> where was he this time last year when 10 in a row was coming up and he's a guy who knew what it meant and he turned in that absolute drivel of a season. So for me, it's way too late. I think Ange will take 10 minutes to work him out and ship him out. So how do you feel about Lee Griffiths? <laughs> <laughs> take a leave him. And it's, it's unfair because Griffiths has become the lightning rod for all the players of that mentality that 10 in a row was there on a plate for them and they just didn't show up because they didn't have the mindset for it. Yeah. What about yourself, Matt? I mean, I, I've got to be honest with you, and I think I've, I'm quoting a couple of podcasts recently saying, against my better judgment, I, I, I just, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, and I don't know if that's a hard one. You've done that before? Have I given him the benefit of the doubt yeah. before? Yeah, and he's thrown it back out. in my face. Yeah. He's treated me like a whatever. Oh, nearly. nearly. Yeah. But I do want to see him given a chance. I want, I want them all to be given a chance, because last season was just a catastrophe for a variety of reasons, and I want, because of those guys Clean slate Not just because of those guys They helped so, There's so much going on My footy out on Griffiths Oh Tread carefully I think this will come down to The manager And I think Like James mentioned there I don't think it's going to take him too long Dare I say He might even already Have an idea If he's looked at The history of Lee Griffiths and, and the fact that he's not Always been Readily available In prime condition You mentioned Previous big names That they'd shipped out of Places where he went in you know, it's all set up for Griffiths to be shown the door, I think, when, when Postacoglu comes in. Um, so that the work in the gym, I think, might be for going and joining Bruni up my yeah. or heading back to... Yeah. Back to I, I, need, I need to add, I'm as big a Griffiths fan as anyone's been for years and years. I think he's a, a great guy, he's fun in the dressing room, he's a great player, but just not turned up. Interesting. A player you'd mentioned, I kind of forgot about him as well, as a lot of us had, was Barkas. So obviously, there's the Greek connection there between him and Postacoglu, and that might... Might help him settle in some way. Do you think he gets another chance at number one or do we need a new goalie? He may get a shot at number two. That's it. That's it. Five million number two, yeah. I, again, I think it's coming down to stature and personality with Barkas. He just doesn't, doesn't seem to have that. I seem we've been 
linked with Matt Ryan yep. for Brighton, I would be delighted with that as a sign. Mm. Well, that's interesting, Miffin. I know you obviously study the agenda before every show, but Matt Ryan is next up on the list. Um, so there's lot, obviously a lot of headlines about him at the moment. Uh, he's currently the Brighton goalie, or registered to Brighton and is so for another year. He's been on loan at Arsenal. I think he only get three games for Arsenal. Um, have you seen much of him? If I can say for sure if I've seen much of the guy. Yeah, I, well, I've seen more of him than I have of the agenda, put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> put it this way, we would have been in a much better place last season if Matt Ryan had been yeah. the keeper. Yeah. He's better than Bain, he's better than Barkas. From my eyes, when, yeah. I'm, when I'm watching football, you know, quite, quite an athletic goalkeeper. Not the tallest or the biggest, if memory serves me right, but certainly quite a commanding presence and was a, was a fairly reliable stick for Brighton when they progressed through into the, the Premier League and stayed there mm-hmm. as yeah. well you know yeah. so he showed up quite quite well there although I think they've then went for a, a, a Spanish goalkeeper they've now got in oh name escapes me Brighton's goalkeeper who has been really, really impressive but he's quite young and I think that was why Ryan went to Arsenal because, because of the quota that you need to have I, I, I think I, I, might, I might be talking absolute mince here but he didn't play much for Arsenal probably I, I, I would say he's in a similar bracket in terms of where his career's at as Foster, it would be coming up and playing regularly. It'd be mm. the attraction he co- coming up to, to yeah, Celtic for a guy so he knows. To play, to play for a coach that he knows. That's the question. So he's, he's 29, I think, and sounds like it'll be a straight out money over ambition. Arsenal's where the money is, Celtic's where they can possibly you know, win some silverware and, and take things to a different level in terms of playing in Europe and whatever else. And Ange did manage him, so I think he had him certainly during that time. 2014-15 where it was World Cups and then Asian Cups and stuff so they will know each other very well again you know this might just be people putting two and two together when it's yeah. Australian and Australian I, that, that's, how, that's how it kind of felt to me but th- th- I think that the link itself is noteworthy because it would immediately solve a problem that we have yeah, it certainly would. I, I'm glad it's at least been talked about yeah and it should be because the goalkeeping situation seriously needs addressed um, there's several other players who will be familiar to us that have been quoted recently and there seems to be a fair bit of noise so Another Australian, or certainly an Australian international, was Martin Boyle. Um, there's chat about him again. I think there's he did sign a new deal, which takes him to 2023 at Hibs, but I believe there's a, a release clause if a certain amount of money is paid. Would he be good enough in your eyes? I'm really not sure if he's good enough for Celtic, but who knows? What do you think, Miff? I, I would welcome Martin Boyle, most definitely. I think there's, there's two things. It's His contract apparently says half a million for non-Scottish teams and three million for Scottish mm-hmm. I question the legality of that as a contract in terms of where he can work and where he can't but let, let's assume it was 500,000 yeah for, for that kind of money and what budget he's going to have I think that's worth putting in I've not seen enough quality from him that you were going to spend 3 million a year budget on him half a million yeah probably okay um, there's another couple of names as mentioned so Aaron Hickey we know well enough from well he was in Celtic's academy he went to Hearts done well and he's currently at Bologna I think he's done okay there. Um, he's not set a Heather light, and he's only a young guy, of course, but I think he's played 18 times, and there's a suggestion that he could be coming back. So we seriously have a problem in the fullback department, no doubt about it. We've got some cover in terms of Greg Taylor and maybe a ball and goal at left back. We've got next to nothing at right back, so there's obviously a concern there. But Aaron Hickey coming in, is that the kind of sign you'd be comfortable with? I'd rather have Doig for Hibs. Mm, you've said that a lot. So Arsenal, funnily enough, seem to be tracking him. So there's the merry-go-round's obviously in full flow, and there's various players floating about, and it remains to be seen who we who we can feasibly get a hold of. The other name, just the last one I touch on at the moment, frequently touted, and he's obviously got a big few weeks ahead, is Kevin Nisbet. I'm quite keen on that one. I think he could certainly make up one of our strikers, if not you know a backup, and potentially you know going go on to be the number one striker because again like all areas of the park there's serious gaps and I think he would slot into what we do we don't have any other international strikers do we? 
Yeah, and if you if you look at the job at hand, you know that's next twelve months ahead. It's about reasserting yourself in Scottish football, and that's what allows you to do that. Might let you jump up to Europe the year after, but you can maybe solve that problem next year. This season's about getting back into Scottish football. Well, that's it. You know, we know that you go straight into the Champions League if you win the league this year. So. I know we said it flippantly last year, Europe doesn't matter, it's all about the league, but really, just, just on a financial point of view, just focus on domestic and win the league this year and the, the fruits of the Champions League are all there for you to build your squad and further develop. So I think you're right, James. I think Kevin Nisbet would allow us to do that because he's, I think he got 18 goals last year. He knows the landscape here and he knows where the back of the net is and he's also scored his first international goal there. So I don't think there's any lack of confidence and enthusiasm from him as a young guy and I think he could really take his game to the next level at Celtic. He couldn't be the only striker signing it no. would be one of at least two. I mean, at the moment we're left with Ayeti and Bayo as the, the the known strikers. Edward will be off. Griffiths, who knows? And obviously we lost Clamala. So yeah, we need we need to get a number of strikers in. And Kevin is, but I'd certainly be happy with that. Have you heard any other names doing the rounds? Is there anyone else that's been touted at this moment in time? Or not really. And it's not something I look for. One thing I'd like to look at is the ongoing question for me, and I think it's such an important question. But the the captain at Celtic next year. It seems to be at this moment in time that it's Callum McGregor by default. I suppose right now we're without club captain, which isn't great in a, a general sense, but Callum McGregor seems to be the, the name mentioned just now just because, and he's obviously deputised for Brunette at different times. I read the stat today, I think it was, that McGregor, he's averaged 58 games per year for club and country for the last five years. I was going to say, is it admirable or is it madness? It's, it's madness on his agent himself and his manager's to make him play that much football. You ask a footballer who you know, do you want to play, he says aye. I just I've said this before, but every single manager, nobody seems willing to give him a break for any reason. Um and I'll be interested to see if he's a starter for Steve Clark in the next few games. The the most remarkable thing about that is the context of this season and how poor he's been. He clearly needed a rest and yeah, taking out the firing. Yeah. That's more of a bone of contention for me. Rogers felt he couldn't do it without him. That's fine. Same as he felt he couldn't do it without Tierney, that's fine. Managers make those decisions. But they were winning most weeks I'm playing brilliant football this season was a completely different case it was a, like a different player yeah, just watching. out give him the rest that he needs yeah he's not going to get it and what about his abilities as a captain would you be happy with him as club captain next year I don't, I don't think he's a captain but if he gets it by default then that's more to do with how terribly we've managed the squad than it is to do with Cal McGregor if you've not got any guys that are captain material on there therein lies your problem yeah as you look through the squad there's there's next to no options the only one I could think of and listen I would prefer it to Callum McGregor and I also know your thoughts on this guy James but Chris Julian would be a better captain for me silenced very inspiring seeing your captain doing forward roles after a centre forwards nudge them yeah Superman uh, um, nah. no, I understand that you know he, I think he is he's got a bit of leadership about him yep. Julian right for as much as I think he's an average footballer, he has got a bit of leadership about him and that's what Andrew's going to be looking for and he's, you know, I think the, the captaincy distracts McGregor from his, his game and his own abilities because he's looking for other jobs to do on the park instead of his job of playing football. I think Andrew, you know, being, having been a captain himself, leaders no leaders, he'll, he'll meet McGregor and he'll think I'm a, you know, a really good addition to the squad as in a, a senior addition to the squad but not a captain. I don't think Celtic's captain currently plays for Celtic. I, I think and hope that's the case as well. I mean, you know, Big Julian, he's mad for the Instagram and loves a, an inspirational quote. And I mean, really in the modern game, that's the most important thing, is it not? I, I would agree. I don't think Celtic's captain's currently in the point squad. I, yeah. I think the, the signings we make need to have, you know, as well as signing a captain, the other guys need to have captaincy attributes. Yeah, I also think a team should be full of captains. We've gone on about this time after time, but it shouldn't just be 
one guy who's the the main man and he has to drag everyone through. There should be a, a culture where you've got a number of leaders in the park and there's, you know, guys in, in every department. And obviously there's certain guys by their nature who won't be captains. You know, it's it's not a Mikey Johnson thing. It's not a James Forrest thing. I think it's not a Callum McGregor thing either. But if you've got four or five others who can pull you through when, when times are tough, then I think that's a real sign of a, of a team that's heading in the right direction. And I think Andrew will be the kind of guy that does bring in strong characters. He'll know he needs them. He is trying to change the culture. And there's a whole new shift here and a whole new way of playing football and approaching things and for that to work the easiest way to do it is to bring in guys that you know will slot into the system and I believe that the current crop of players at Celtic albeit by number they're not strong enough as well I don't think the current crop can quite work into Angie's system so I think he'll bring in guys to do that job for him for a very brief piece of news uh, Ishmael Soro made his debut for Ivory Coast uh, on Saturday coming on as a late sub and a nothing each draw with Ghana sounds like a decent game defences on top and all that how important could he be next year? Um, he had some mixed performances, but you know there was reasons for optimism. A lot of self-belief as a young guy. So I think that's what Andrew's looking for in players. He's got talent, but he's got self-belief. I think he's raw, really raw, but I think he could be formed into something good. I, I, th- I think he's raw, but I don't necessarily think he's the defensive midfield player that we think is. I think he's maybe got a bit more licence to, to get forward as well. So I think we, we sort of pigeonholed him last season just as a, it's either him or Brown that play. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that has to be the case. But... Again, someone who is going to be our player next year, one of the few that we know is actually going to be in the building. Look forward to him coming back and, and hopefully showing Angie's worth a place in the squad. Yeah, and I think any player like that, as you say, James, he is quite wrong. He's, he's definitely very young, but with proper coaching, anybody like that can develop. And, you know, high hopes that he'll go on to do something decent for us in the, the season ahead. And just on that, Miff, I'll come to you first. What's your optimism levels at now for the season ahead? Obviously, you know, big news with Ange, he's in and that's that's concrete. Lots of things still undetermined, but we'll find out in the coming weeks. How are you feeling about it all? Well, obviously I was getting carried away when Big Ange was appointed and I had to, I had to say, you know, winning the league quite comfortably. But reality's kind of struck and I, I touched on it earlier. Until he's actually here and taking the team and there's movement around the squad and we know who's staying and who's going, I think it's really hard to gauge. You know, there is that blind optimism that I have it's just so hard to say the first small steps in the road to recovery have been taken that's the way I look at it yeah. we've got we've got somebody in he's our man great now make the changes that need made we ourselves James are you excited I mean as Miff says a few big signings the right direction that'll really start to to change the picture how do you feel yeah signings are key I mean, I've said all the way through you know this this period that the gap isn't as, as wide as it's written again Rangers could have got as a, a worse uh, structured time manager the whole shebang so I don't think it's that wide any manager who can galvanise what he's got, add talent to it, can close that gap and go past it quite quickly. Uh, Celtic will win the league next year. I like it. Oh, Mark that, lads. Goodness. So, 13th of June, 2021. Chalk it down. So, the appointment of Ange Postecoglou finally signals the beginning of a new era for Celtic Football Club. Yes, there's been some mixed responses from fans and it might not have been everyone's first choice, including the club. However, he's here now, he's one of us and we'll be getting fully behind him as he looks to do what he does best and get us back to winning titles. The hard work starts here. Thanks to Miff and James for joining me on today's show and as always, our thanks to you for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please continue to support us by following us wherever you get your podcasts and by sharing this episode with anyone you think will enjoy it. You'll also find us on Twitter at Celtic Exchange and on Instagram at the Celtic Exchange Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week.
sponsored by 1010 Podcasts. Sports Social Podcast Network.